ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week, I sit down with Dr. Preston Ward of Mountain Physio. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Dr. Preston Ward. Preston, thank you for taking time out of your evening and away from your family for a bit, man, to sit down with me. I appreciate it greatly. Yeah, of course. Thank you for the, yeah, thanks for the introduction and thanks for taking the time to, I guess, let me be able to give my two cents and be able to have this opportunity. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we'll jump right into it. Why don't you give us a little bit of uh, background and intro to yourself? So... Yeah, I, I grew up in, I live in Utah currently and grew up in Salt Lake City. So I grew up in an outdoors family and pretty much have lived in Utah my whole life. Ended up living in Texas for a couple of years, but then moved back to Utah. And I have been married about 10 years and have a little girl. She's five. So we spend a lot of time in the outdoors and a lot of time in the mountains. And that's, yeah, that's a little bit about my, I guess, who I am. I, um, I'm a physical therapist. And so that's where I've started up this business mountain physio. So that's what I'd love to talk a little bit about as well and how I can help people. But, um, so yeah, I'm a physical therapist by trade did my studying at the university of Utah and then ended up doing a residency as well at the university of Utah at Salt Lake city VA and at the hospital there, the university of Utah hospital. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good place to live. Utah is a good place to live. Nice. So why don't you give us a little bit about your outdoor life, man? And then what, uh, 
what draws you out there and what keeps you going back and where that all started? Yeah, I think so. I grew up basically in the outdoors, my and hunting, um, my family, I have two, two older brothers and a younger sister. And growing up, we spent pretty much every vacation, either camping or hunting or just in the outdoors. And we grew up doing a lot of uh, riding horses and riding mules. So we have, we probably have, my dad has about 10 mules himself and I have one of my own. And so we do a lot of mule riding, but I can remember some of my earliest memories are, you know, going up to my grandma's cabin and taking my little BB gun and shooting her, um, her hummingbird feeders and her not being too impressed with that. So, um, but that's what happens. And so just grew up loving the outdoors and spend a lot of time hunting. I can remember some, if I'll go into this, I don't know, some of my most memorable hunts and everything were one of them was when I was about 17 years old. I drew out a limited entry elk tag here in Utah. And yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Actually, my brother and I did. And the funny story about this is we put in for the unit thinking that we were putting in for rifle, but we actually put in for archery. And we, we had never shot a bow and arrow before. We didn't even own one. And so we said, decided that we either, you know, forfeit this tag or we just go out and buy a bow and practice. So we did that all summer long and went down to this unit in Utah and both were able to harvest, you know, 350 inch elk that year. So it was pretty, wow. it was pretty awesome how it all plant, how it all turned out. And that's really when I was about 17 years old, that's how my love for archery and bow hunting started. And then as I aged, I just, you know, started um, getting into duck hunting and recently I've been doing a lot of turkey hunting. And I used to think that hunting was something that, you know, lasted maybe one weekend in the fall, but now I'm realizing that it's, it can, it can be really all year long and why it's so important. You know, now I'm seeing how important it is to prepare for that and take breaks when you need to, but also how awesome it is to be able to pursue those passions. And that's what I love about Utah is there's so much opportunity and there's so much interest in hunting and the outdoors life that it's fun to be a part of. It's awesome, man. So, so in Utah, do you guys get spring bear? Well, you have turkey. Do you have spring bear season? We do, yeah. We do have spring bear, yeah. Actually, next week I'm going to – my brother drew out a tag this year, and so my brother is going down tomorrow, and I'm going to go down the following weekend. For same thing. We're taking our mules, and we're going to pack in. This year has been – pretty crazy with so much snow that we received mm-hmm. that even last year they excuse me even last week they went down there and couldn't even get in so they're hoping this week they can get in but you guys still catching yeah. snow i know uh i know there's a couple states man they're getting wyoming just got uh hit again this this uh this week with some snow you guys still catching right there? on may on may 1st we got a little bit of snow and other than that, it's just been a lot of rain, but yeah, May 1st, we got a little bit of snow. Yeah. That's late in the year, man. 
it is late. Yeah. It was May 1st actually was my birthday. So it was, um, pretty fun to come home from California to a little bit of snow. Yeah. Happy belated birthday, man. So yeah, you guys you. are, you guys came out here to this, uh, <laughs> the, the concrete, uh, wonderland, huh? Went over to Disneyland and yeah. enjoyed some family time. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. I, it was really nice to be there. I, so in about, I've had my, this idea for my business mountain physio. So physical therapy for the mountain athletes for a little, about a little over a year. I've always kind of been an entrepreneur and wanted to do that. But I really, you know, buckled down and started in about February and March and just kind of doing the website thing and everything else. I was like, I just need a break. And so we ended up taking a break and yeah, going to the concrete jungle. And I don't know if Disneyland is quite a, much of a break, but it was fun. <laughs> Not it, was my opinion. it was, yeah, exactly. It was good to be with my wife and my daughter and had some fun there. And then I got back and was able to go turkey hunting as well so that was pretty cool nice how'd that go you get a gobbler i didn't know i man those things i don't know spot and stock turkey hunting is turning into be a <laughs> harder feat than i thought it was going to be it's something else man you know we i've been having this conversation with different folks about turkey for the last two months man and uh, a lot of guys getting their butts kicked this year you know the birds. They, I think everybody prepares to go sit up under the tree or in the blind and call them in, and thinking they're going to come in on the string, and they'll hold out. You know, yeah. fifty, sixty, seventy yards plus, and then guys. For me, I can't do it. I always end up breaking off the calling and try and flank them, come in on you know, come in from up under them or something, and and put the arrow in them. Yeah, exactly. I, I have. I really actually never started turkey hunting until last year my friend got me into it and um did it only once or twice last year and now this year already i've been out i think five or six times i went out this morning actually i'm gonna probably go tomorrow <laughs> it's it's pretty that's what's awesome about utah is that you have such close access to you know such even such great hunting across the wasatch front i live well you know i live five minutes away from the mountains and where I could be hunting some very trophy class mule deer and turkeys as well. I'm 30 minutes away from, you know, hunting turkeys and all sorts of things. So benefit of that beautiful state of Utah, man. So yeah, let's talk uh mountain physio, man. That is, uh, you brought it up a couple times. We'll jump right into that and, let's beat up mountain physio and talk about what you're doing there and why it's important and, and how we can, uh, how we can see some benefit from that, man. Cause we're getting at, you know, I think we're, at least for me, I'm in that, you know, full board mount where it's, you know, range as many times as I can a week and hitting the gym probably five, six times a week, just trying to prep for season here. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think I just saw on a website that there was yesterday that there were 99 days until the archery hunt here in Utah starts. So 98 days today for the archery hunt starts. And I think that preparation is, is so important and just that we can be at the top of our game for pursuing, you know, deer, elk. And so what I, I guess how I started mountain, is I just I've always kind of like I said I've always 
been in the outdoors, been hunting, drawn to it. I ended up doing my University of Utah, so pursuing my doctorate of physical therapy there and then residency. And so during that, during those eight or nine years of school, I didn't do a lot of, I did some hunting, but I didn't do a lot of it. And so my wife, she keeps, she jokes that she didn't really know me until she didn't, she married me, but she didn't really know me. She's like, I didn't know you're quite such a, you know, you're a hunter. And anyway, so how I started Mountain Physio is I just realized that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of physical preparation, mental preparation that goes into hunting. And so to be able to combine both my, my work, my passion, you know, my work with physical therapy and helping people heal and helping people rehab and train and prevent injuries. So to be able to combine all that with my love for the outdoors and helping athletes, you know, archers and bow hunters who I consider great athletes and hunters in general who can go out and hike for five, six days straight and, you know, hike up a mountain and pack out their, their kill and everything. So I just realized that there was a need for that, that there were a lot of, you know, there were, there are quite a few personal trainers in the field who I think do a great job, but I recognize that having, you know, a physical therapist who understands the, the response to, you know, the response to injury and what injuries are and what diagnoses are and, more that medical model as well and to be able to bridge the gap between the medical community and also the personal training and the physical therapy and the hunting community I think is an important thing so that's where I started Mountain Physio you know what I my intention is is to really just provide a service to archers hunters outdoorsmen and just these what I call mountain athletes so And I'm not saying anything negative about any about any of the fitness realm, right? But there's a lot of a lot of cookie cutter type programs, right? And and I've worked out and trained for years and you know, my kids are athletes and you know, I'm consider myself to be a semi still athlete. <laughs> um <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff that's cookie cutter and one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that Training needs to be more specific to not just goals, but to the individual, right? I mean, we all have strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, ailments here and there. What's your opinion of that that cookie cutter and how focused should we be on what works for us as an individual? Yeah, no, I, I think that's what inspired me as well is I saw this, I would agree, this you know, cookie cutter mold that can work for some people, but I do think that for, I do think that we should provide individual, you know, individual programs and individual routines for each person because we are all different. If you look at the musculoskeletal anatomy, like if you look at the actual bony anatomy of everyone, it's all a little bit different. Even when I was in school and everything and in cadaver lab and dissecting, you know, bodies, um, it was everyone has a little bit different anatomy. And though it's all quite similar, you, every now and then you get something that's a little bit different. Or like I said, like for the shoulder, even you can have, 
different bony structures in the shoulder that maybe puts you a little bit more risk for um, what we call shoulder impingement, where you know the bone of the, the humerus maybe gets jammed up into the scapula bone a little bit. And so if you do just continue to do some training from this, you know, a single mold or say, you know, do some military press or bench press, but you aren't paying attention to the way that the tissues respond, then it's going to just lead to more injury and really ultimately could, you know, lead to surgery and things like that, which things that we don't want to do because that just takes time and money and time away from the field. So I do think that an individual approach is best. And that's ultimately what physical therapy is, is taking, you know, doing a evaluation, taking into, into consideration um, patient's goals, and then, I guess, modifying as you proceed through physical therapy to make sure that you're not, you know, that, that, you're, that you're treating the tissues with respect. And that's where I think the difference between a lot of physical therapy and other training is, is the knowledge and ability to recognize irritation, to recognize, you know, what, what exercises too much, or maybe, you know, what's not enough. Right. And one of the things, and I, I had, uh, Dr. Uh, David Shaleen on, um, a while back. And, and one of the things that I noticed, and I don't think I brought it up on his episode, was when we look at physical therapy, we look at it from a a healing or, you know, uh, getting better from that injury type deal. We don't look at it out in the front of, you know, the things that are putting the stressors on the body um, or having those, you know, those, like for me, my hip flexors are horrible, man. I can, I can lift weights all day. I can hike and hike and hike for whatever reason. Uh, my adductors just, oh man, it's just no fun. Um, I always feel them. So it, it's focusing on those things, I think, with physical therapy um, and understanding it from that point of view, that's hugely important instead of just going and saying, okay, I'm going to go, you know, do these deads or these squats or, you know, X, Y, and Z today. Um, I think there's a hole in the game in that respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that was exactly my vision is, you know, I do think that there was that, just that gap that was missing. And so researching and looking at all these different programs, I'm like, you know, we need to have a physical therapist who knows this, who knows how, what movement is good and what, I guess, you know, how tissues are responding and everything. And we need to be able to, um, yeah, I'm sorry, excuse me. We need to be able to, have a have a specialist to be able to help with that and so there's there's actually so what i'd like to do is you know on my instagram feed and everything like that is post some scientific articles and some research articles because that's ultimately what you know physical therapy is scientifically based and um i just think you know being able to post that for these athletes and for hunters and stuff so that they're aware of, you know, well, this is the best thing there was actually what I was going to say is there was a study that looked at, you know, if, if you're being treated by someone who has similar goals and hobbies, if you go to the doctor, if you, you know, go to the physical therapist, 
and are being treated by someone who has a similar hobbies and goals and understands your sport, then your outcomes are better. If you have a better rapport with someone you know, then your outcomes are going to be better. So understanding that you know, your adductors, your hip flexors are tied and being able to give you a specific program for that, but being as a understanding your goals as a hunter and being able to understand the sport itself, you know, can help you ultimately. Yeah. And a lot of the programs and I, and I've done a couple of them and they're great. They're great. And I love them. There is a lot of mental push that comes along with, you know, say completing those or going through a program for 60, 90 days or whatever it is. Um, and that's one, yeah. and not to say that you don't gain anything physically, right? Because you do, it's, it's good for you, um, in the long run, as long as you're not, you know, you're not pushing on an injury or something. Um, but that's where I see most of the benefit is in that mental part of it. Um, when you're really stepping out into the mountain. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think so from a scientific approach and all the schooling that I went through, like we get a lot of education and the neurology and neuroscience and behavior and things like that and how to change behavior and just, you know, motivating people, motivating people is one thing, but also understanding how that all works and educating and teaching patients how to continue to, you know, to continue to be, I guess, at the top of their game both physically and psychologically in the field is so important. As I've been, as I've been turkey hunting the last few days today, I got skunked. I had a turkey and four hens that were 120 yards away and they were always about 120 yards away. Even though <laughs> I went further, they were still 120 yards away. And just, and just that mental toughness of, man, can I really do this? Can I really, you know, am I really fit enough to be able to meet these animals in there? you know, in their what environment. And so I think that finding that mental tough, finding that mental strength is important, but understanding how to do that and teaching people from a medical view and a health view is, is hugely important for, for hunters and archers and yeah, anyone. I, I, sorry. Sorry. I was going to say that one of the, I was, elk hunting about five years ago and I woke up and for whatever reason my my hamstring was just like so locked up I ended up I just saw that how like injury can really limit someone when they're out in the field and so that just that moment itself of a personal experience was like an eye opener for me. I'm like, I need to, I need to prepare better. I need to be better. I need to really, you know, I've had this injury before. Like I need to rehab it and be able to do and train it the best I can so I can prevent further injury so that when I'm out there, I can be at the top of my game. The whole time. So, anyways, I was just kind of, yeah, exactly. The whole time. That was just a personal experience that I was thinking of that, so, yeah. and you just made me think of something when you brought up cramps. So one of the things that you hear all the time, right, is, and, and I know it plays a big part of it, but interested to hear the the medical side of it. 
with cramping, um, a lot of guys take salt tablets. Um, you know, guys will take electrolytes, BCAs, things like that to kind of help prevent or, you know, yeah, prevent. I mean, that's what it amounts to, um, that cramping. But that's not all that's going on there. Is that lack of the salts or? Yeah, there. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the science and stuff behind it, that, you know, a muscle cramp, we try to figure out, you know, why is it happening and why is it happening? And though some of the, I guess, etiology is still, you know, a little unknown, but there are some electrolyte imbalances and, you know, taking some of those, you know, taking electrolytes can help and things like that. One of the biggest things that I've seen and that I feel like, is one of the reasons for it is for instance, the hamstring in general, if you're having someone do, you know, an exercise and a simple exercise that many people have maybe heard of as a bridge where you're on your back, have your knees bent and you lift your hips up in the air. And so people will, people will all the time be like, Oh, I'm cramping, I'm cramping. You know, I've got Charlie horse. And oftentimes the reasons for that is because you're using those muscles, I guess I would say inappropriately where you're compensating with weak, those weak muscles, you're compensating with other muscles. And so those muscles maybe aren't strong enough or for instance, with that bridge, you're not, what I find a lot is that your glute muscle, your gluteal muscles, so your glute max, your gluteus medius, and your gluteus minimus aren't strong enough. And so you're cramping because you're engaging your hamstring muscle like if it were a glute muscle. And so you're just using it inappropriately. And so though there are some, you know, electrolyte imbalances and that's still being studied and developed and stuff, one of the biggest things is, you know, you strengthen those muscles, you provide better blood flow and, you know, maybe um, decrease that lactate buildup, then you have less of those cramps. So, and that's one of the things that, that I know. So I'll do like a, like a prone hamstring curl, right. And a weighted prone hamstring curl. And uh, if I'm not, if I don't stretch or warm up things like that prior to that, man, I'll get, you know, those cramps where you're just punching. (laughs) That's, that's my remedy for cramps, man. As I just start slamming my fist into them. Um, does that, (laughs) does that have something to do with, with the flexibility of the muscle as well, or is just engaging, excuse me, that, you know, all those, those small muscles that are supporting that, those synergists. Right. Yeah. I don't know about the punching. I don't know. I haven't heard that. I'm going to try that, I guess. Oh man, I nail them. (laughs) It works. Um, you're saying you nail your hamstrings, you hit your hamstrings. Oh man. If, if, yeah, if they cramp up, I mean, they'll get a knot in the size of a baseball and I'll just, it's sort of like, uh, that, uh, you know, getting on the foam roller is just, I just, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I just cram it, man. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I went off on a tangent here, but cool. you bring up a good point though, that, um, that yeah, some pressure there and the pressure there can, like the pressure or the punching or anything like that can offload. So what it does is it can offload some of the actinomycin 
um, protein filaments. So those are the proteins, like the small little protein filaments that make up a muscle. And you can, by putting pressure there, the same thing like if you have a knot in your, you know, hamstring or your upper trap, put some pressure there and it can actually, you know, get that muscle to relax. So whether it's looking at some of the molecular, you know, on the molecular level, some of the small molecules that are, I guess, being released. So one of the techniques that I do as a physical therapist is called trigger point dry needling. And same thing, you're sticking a very fine, um, solid filament needle into one of the trigger points, like the hamstring or the upper trap. And you can actually look on an ultrasound machine, see that muscle just relax. And so when you're punching it, when you're pushing on it and stuff like that, those are some of the techniques that you can do. But you're just really, the reason, again, why that happens is, you know, maybe it's not warmed up properly. The hamstrings are funny muscles because they don't have great um, circulation in general. And so that's why if you ever, you know, if you ever see a runner who tears a hamstring or if you ever hurt your hamstrings, then it can take a long time for them to heal. They will have, they could have bruises for, you know, months because they're just not great circulation. So that's interesting anyways. to hear. Cause that's a big, that's a big muscle, right? I mean, you're talking a lot of muscle mass back there. Um, so to hear that it doesn't have a lot of circulation, that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. If you, if you looking at the, um, yeah, looking at the anatomy and everything of the specific hamstring and there's just some, there's some smaller, yeah, there's some smaller arteries that supply it. Um, so going back to that, so, and I'm assuming that it's pretty common, right? I mean, I see, I've seen people walk around the gym and, you know, get that leg cramp and you hear it all the time and you're out in the woods with somebody and they, you know, get cramped up. How do we prepare or, um, combat that? Uh, I guess you kind of told us how we combat it when it happens, but how do we prepare for that? What can we do to, um, get ourselves to the point where we're not, we're not getting those cramps. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Great question. Um, first of all, I'll say, give me a call and me help you out with it. But, um, <laughs> no, or, um, or me, I'll punch the shit out of it. <laughs> exactly. Or, yeah, exactly. Call, call guy. That's probably better actually. <laughs> so yeah. How to prepare. I mean, I think it really starts with a solid, a solid, lower extremity so a lower limb program and instead of i mean i would do some hamstring curls and i would i would do that but more than that i would be doing so much like so many like deadlifts and you know squats and things like that to really build up your glute muscles because like i said most of those cramps and things happen because you're using your hamstring as if it were glute muscle and, you know, your, your hamstrings really, the purpose of the hamstring is to bend your knee, to flex your knee. And the purpose of the glute muscles are to keep you in an upright position um, or to extend your, extend your thigh. And so really when you're hiking and stuff like that, if you think of all the, the times that you are stepping up on boulders or you're just hiking up the hill, that's all about strengthening up your glute muscles. And 
you start getting those hamstring cramps. So you start using your hamstrings to pull yourself up the hill versus your glutes, then yeah, those are going to cramp up. So, I mean, a, a program would be, again, like we've mentioned, an individual program would be very best, but some general exercises would be some specific, you know, deadlifts, um, single leg de- deadlifts, single leg um, RDLs are great. Um, yeah, squats, just any of your glute strengthening exercises is what I would say start with. And then as far as um, what I like to do, one thing that I've seen that's been very beneficial and is with the hamstrings is not a matter of, again, doing heavy resistance with the hamstrings, but maybe lighter resistance, but just lots more repetitions just to build up that endurance and really to build up that, that circulatory system. So when you talk about the glutes there, and it made me think about something, um, you, you see the picture all the time, right, where a guy is uh, punching his way uphill or he has a, you know, with his pack on and he has his uh, his elk quarter or his bear, whatever he has in his pack. And everyone, I shouldn't say everyone, but I'm going to say 95% of the photos I see, a guy is just slightly hunched over, some more than others. Yeah. So – that is painful, man. We've all kind of been there. Um, it doesn't feel good. You get that pack off, you got that relief, but you still feel that right in that in that lower back region. So is that going into that glute strengthening? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, um, I mean, if you have that that pack on, I'm just looking at a, a picture of me uh, um, carrying out a, a deer, and I remember being super sore. So if you have that pack on, and it you know, wanting to, you're, you're leaning forward so that it doesn't pull you backward. So you're engaged. So it's really, it's really difficult on that lower lumbar spine, those really the multifidus muscles, all your erector spinae muscles, the muscles that run up and down the, the spinal column. And so those muscles get super sore just because you're having that much weight on there and you're, you know, you're constantly, I guess, pushing I guess, yeah, pushing back away from that, that pack. And so strengthening up those glute muscles is one way, definitely. But another, I mean, the key point is strengthening up your core muscles. And so a lot of times people will give, I don't know, physical therapists some grief, like, oh, all you're having me do is these little tiny, you know, core exercises. But I think that's really a foundation for, you know, overall, a great program is like if you look at knee pain, if you look at, you know, talking about hamstring pain, if you look at hamstring, if you look at a bursitis, people have some bursitis of their hip, or they have, you know, the majority of people will have back pain in their life. It's like, it's like 80, 90% of people have back pain. If you look at all those, the majority of people need to work on their core strength um, to prevent really any of those injuries. And so, even though you're training some of those smaller muscles, those, you know, that, that erector spiny muscles, the, the backstrap muscles that we enjoy eating off of an elk. And so if you look at them, they're running from, you know, a couple different segments. What I mean, segments is actual spinal vertebrae. And so they run a couple, they run a few, I guess, a few vertebrae up and down. And 
they're smaller muscles, but it's a very large muscle that you need a lot of training. And so that's one of the, the key things that I'll do is, you know, spend some time focusing on core strength and improving people improving people's ability to be able to pack out their animal. So, so with the, I got to ask you something. So I told you, I talked to Dr. David and, uh, yeah. When you, <laughs> and one of the things that he was doing, it was too funny to me, man. So I have to go there is, uh, he's talking about, uh, about field dressing his elk. And instead of saying backstrap, he kept saying erector spinae. Um, is that something <laughs> that you find yourself doing as well with that medical background is referring to the ad- anatomy, the way you know it as a doctor or? Yeah, absolutely. I, I geek out on that stuff. I'm, I'm a nerd. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm a nerd. I, I'm dissect. I'm, I say, I say the term dissecting. Um, I'm cleaning the elk and everything and putting in the steaks and everything. And I'm telling my wife like, Oh, look at this. This is cool. This is the, you know, this is the gluteus medius muscle or (laughs) so I geek out. I geek out that way. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. So, um, I had a question and then I then I sidetracked on that one because I heard it a couple of times and I had to know, man, if it was if it was specific to Dave there. Um, so I'm gonna tangent. Um so yeah. going back to going back to some of the types of training. So one of the things, you know, I always focus on getting, you know, getting mass um and getting strong, right? Hypertrophy hypertrophy trainings type stuff. And one of the things that I noticed is it actually hindered me to a point. Um, I feel like my, my flexibility wasn't there. It's expensive as all heck on the mountain, right? Caloric intake wise. Um, I have to consume way more calories to keep going. Um, having that, you know, having mass on me. So one of the things that I've been trying to focus on is just one, you know, losing some body fat, but two, just being more functional. Um, what what do you think about the different types of training, right? You, you, your hypertrophy to me is just, it just doesn't fit the mountain. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, a lot of, a lot of what we do as hunters when you're hiking up that hill is, is so much cardio. And so, you know, the bigger and bulkier are, um, so it can increase your metabolism and you know, help you lose weight and be good for, you know, picking up those animals and stuff like that. Sometimes I think it can hinder us. Um, and so what I find, you know, the different, one of the, I think one of the, I guess, more popular training programs right now would be a high intensity interval training. Right. You've probably heard that term yep. before hit, hit training. Yep. Exactly. And I, th- I find that there's some, you know, value to that. A lot of, time when you are hunting that you know you have to you know chase after an animal to get over the hill before they do or you know to catch up to them and so that high intensity of sprinting those interval thing i think can be good um there is some and there is there's quite a bit of literature and research that i just was reading a blog actually on strengthening and you know, building up muscle mass can help reduce injury. And so I think that building up muscle mass is, you know, 
is super important. I was actually at the gym the other day. I was working on some stability exercises. So, and this guy came up to me, he's like, as a PT, do all you do is work on stability? And, and I kind of laughed and I was thinking like, what's the difference between the stability and, you know, just pure strength training? Cause I see them as, though I see them as a little different, I also see them as very much the same thing. Um, and so working on, you know, building up muscle mass, but also in a functional position, in functional positions is super important. And if you think of, I bring up the term stability, like we, we talk about core stability, you know, being able to stabilize those individual spinal segments when you're doing functional tasks, lifting, you know, cleaning out an animal or lifting, uh, for us, lifting up, you know, cores onto a mule. And so having that spinal stability to be able to do that or the shoulder stability and being able to you know, draw your bow back and it's very dynamic, a dynamic position. So having the stability to be able to do that is important and leads to reduction and in injury. And so I do find that there is, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I do find that there is, there is a time and there's a place to kind of do a little bit of both. And that's where, that's where I go back to like having a good, having a good balance between all of those is, is important. You can't just, you know, and, and when I say balance, even you have to, like you have to take a break from, you know, from training, training at times, because otherwise you lead, it can lead to a lot of overuse injuries and, you know, that's my goal is to be able to provide that knowledge and treatment for um, patients to hopefully avoid that overuse injury when they're on the mountain. And so, yeah. And those seem like they're the worst injuries to me, man, is, is the overuse. Like you get a sprain or, you know, a minor tear or something. That stuff seems to heal. Uh, and I don't know if I'm using that right. Um, a little bit better than you know overuse it, it seems like that that constant stress with the overuse right that that i'm just going you know i'm going hard as i can in the gym every day um i it, yeah those little pings and pangs that i have man you know like on my my anterior delt right as it crests the shoulder um I got, man, I don't know what it is. It's been bothering me for like three weeks and, you know, dumb me. I know enough not to hit shoulders right now. And you think I'm not going to, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But those seem to hang out a lot longer to me than, you know, like a sprain or something like that. They do hang out a lot longer and, you know, you have, and it's probably one of the reasons is because people are like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll work through it or I'll, I'll get over this. Or they just, they do the same thing you do. They just are like, yeah, it's not that bad. I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep doing some bench press. I'm going to keep doing some overhead press. And they just keep irritating that structure where that's where, you know, having a, you know, taking a break from things is important. And also having that expertise from a physical therapist to say, hey, you know what? you know, this is an appropriate exercise at this point and you can still, you know, build up the hypertrophy. You can still, you know, strengthen, you can still work on those things, but let's do it in a safe manner versus, you know, just all gung ho and 
hurting yourself week after week. Um, you find that a lot actually that, you know, when people, you know, CrossFit's pretty big and I think it, I think it has its place and I think it's a great way to train. But I think at the same time, a lot of people jump into it and they, about three weeks later, they're complaining of a lot of these, you know, this overuse knee pain or overuse shoulder pain or things like that. Um, that could be prevented with, you know, a, an evaluation from a physical therapist. And how much of that lends itself to muscle imbalance and then going in and just attacking those types of workouts? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, plays into it 100% that people, you know, they have this idea of I'm going to go in and, you know, I want I want to be this, I want to look like this person or I want to be like this or this is like a fun thing to do. But they're they're at a completely different you know playing field than that other person and their their muscles aren't just you know they're not balanced enough for that i just actually posted something on instagram about having a good balance of the rotator cuff um for specifically archery and you know i think of the rotator cuff it has its it has its purpose to really you know provide stability to the that shoulder joint um, but they're not huge muscles. And so you do, you know, lots of repetitions to what I like to say is, you know, prime the muscles, warm up the muscles, you know, keep them healthy and fit and balanced so that you can, so you can do your overhead press. So you can do, you know, your delt raises and flies and all that stuff. So how do we, okay, I got, I got two things. I'm, I'm you know what, let me do this. Let me write this down. I'm gonna, I don't want to jump too much so keep myself on track here this is all good stuff um one of the things that that i don't see a lot when we look at the training or we're you know training ourselves um is when you pull a stalk man you know we're out we're in the, in the mountains and that terrain varies right drastically and when you're pulling a stalk you are sometimes you know on a hillside um, you know, on a game trail and you're, you know, crossing your legs, you know, one over the other sideways and you're stuck there for two minutes and your left, you know, your, your left leg is, is flat, uh, foot and your right legs in front of your left and you're, you know, you're on your toe and you can't budge cause you got eyes on you, man. That is where I find the greatest amount of fatigue and pain when I am in the woods. Um, where do yeah. we where do we start with something like that? And when you said stability training, that's what I thought of. I thought of like BOSU ball, things like that um, to kind of prepare. To me, that's a lot of small muscles. And I, you know, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, but that seems like a lot of small muscles that you're engaging in those, in those movements. No, yeah, you're right. That's, that's actually an interesting question. I haven't really, I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way when I'm, putting people on the BOSU, I put them on there every day and I don't know if I've really thought of it that way, but I can see exactly what you're, what you're saying. And so we use the term, we use the term motor control or, um, you know, muscle memory is another term sometimes people will use, but proprioceptive training. So the word proprioception, proprioception, excuse me, is knowing where your body's at space. And that's really like the muscle the tendons, the muscle spindles, you know, some of the 
the tendon units themselves and the little organs inside the tendons and the joints and the capsules and things like that, that all provides to our proprioception. And so when you are, you know, on a side hill, just standing there and, you know, trying to stay stable, absolutely. Those smaller little muscles need to kick in and that really, the, so to help with that, it's just, you know, spending time training. So one of the things that I like to do and I do often with my patients, not even just for an ankle sprain, but for you know knee and hip pain is put them on some balance boards or like the BOSU and have them balance there on a single leg for with on a single leg for a minute and have them alternate back and forth and do that for 15, 20 minutes of just pure balance training so that and if you do that, like you will feel fatigued in you'll your foot will feel fatigued, your hips will feel fatigued. You'll you'll feel fatigued if you if you spend twenty minutes balancing. Yeah, that uh like I said, man, that's where I that's where I find the most pain, man. Um it is yeah, it is ungodly. Um, some of the burning. I mean, I've even had the arch of my foot just on fire, just frozen, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just no fun, man. No fun. And and for me, like, I've tried to, you know, mimic that the best I can. And the only way that I've found to do it is either, like you're saying, like with the BOSU ball, um, which is minimal, um, or just, you know, if we go out on a hike or something and just start, you know, pulling a stalk. It, and and even then, yeah. you, you're not doing it enough to really, you know, put your body in that proprioceptive environment enough to mimic that and be prepared for it on the on the mountain. Right. Yeah. And that I mean, I think that's what's. Yeah, people don't like doing that stuff in the gym because it's boring. Who wants to just sit there and stand on a you know a bosu ball? But I think it's hugely, it's, you know, it's hugely important for, to do that. And, you know, to, to be ready if we're, if we're talking about, and, and one of the things that I like to do is have on my website is, you know, hunting specific training. And, you know, if we take into consideration the entire hunt itself and all those little things that are required from carrying your pack, you know, to just, balancing on one leg because you can't step on that twig otherwise you're busted Mm -hmm. like all those things need to be into a program and that's what i wanted to mention this that's what i you know that's what i'd like to do is provide those individual programs for for patients and not to not to take away from the personal trainers like i said we've had we have some great personal trainers and there's a lot of them in the hunting industry that do a good job that give you a, you know, maybe a four week, a six week program, whatever. And, but, you know, to avoid those injuries that can occur there so they can get back to training with their personal trainers is, is important. And so that's where I see my vision of mountain physio going and my ability to, to help is, is that way. So, well, it kind of bridges the gap too, right? Between, between that medical side and that fitness side, um, you know, you got, you got, you guys on one side and you got, you know, fitness on, I'm not trying to pit it against each other, but, um, 
but it's kind of bridging the gap in between. And it's almost the best of both worlds. If you could figure out how to combine the two, um, to me, I see huge benefit in the physical therapy side, getting into the preparedness side for the mountain. I, I, I think it's huge, man. I think it's huge. We worry about, you know, big giant muscle groups, you know, we're looking at glutes and, and pecs and, you know, we're not talking, you know, erector spine and yeah, everybody wants that, that core, but we're not talking, you know, we want a core because it looks badass. We're not talking about core stability, yeah. right? I mean, when you start really getting into core stability and what that means and how it affects the lower extremities, the upper extremities, your ability to move that side hill real slow and still draw your bow. I mean, that that to me is where I see the huge benefit in bringing the PT and that fitness community into the hunting community in this preparedness. I, I think it's, yeah, phenomenal. Awesome. I appreciate that. I, yeah, I, I've, I feel the same way. Obviously I, I think that there's something that was missing. And so that's where I see that I can really provide a service to, to patients as, has helped them bridge that gap and help them continue to train with their personal trainers. If they want to continue to do that, I think it's great. And, but also knowing how their body works and that medical, again, that medical side, the health side, the, the, knowledge and anatomy that way and avoiding overuse injuries like we've talked about um and avoiding those injuries i mean a common complaint that i'll see is is that lateral hip pain so known as you know greater greater trochanteric um, bursitis or tendinopathy tendinopathies are big big things but that's so common in people who are hiking up hills they get that pain on the outside of their hip and it can literally be debilitating. And so, you know, bridging that gap and being able to give the advice and give the skills and the, the treatment for that so that they can continue to train is, is where I see um, I could, you know, just be a service of someone else or excuse me, be a service to others. Well, just being able to identify, <laughs> right? Just being able to identify that's going on with somebody telling you, yeah, I'm getting this, you know, my adductor, my abductor, or, you know, I'm getting this pain on the outside of my hip as I'm going, you know, up or downhill. That's, uh, yeah, that's huge, man. So I said I had two questions. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, sorry. I, you bring up a good point that just to be able to identify that is, is important because some, you know, I have every day, have every day I'll hear from patients that come in and say, you know, I just, I want to know what's going on. Like, I'm a little worried about this. Could this be, you know, X, could this be whatever it is? And so having that knowledge and being like, you know what, reassuring that patient, you know, this is what it is. It's a musculoskeletal issue. And it's whatever, it's a tendinopathy, it's going to improve, but here are some exercises for that. You know, people want to come in and they want to know what's going on. And I think to be able to identify that and give, you know, a patient a term that's important to them, like, a, you know, a functional impairment that they can say, okay, well, if I do this, then I'm going to get better and it's going to, you know, get me back to, you know, it's going to get me back on the mountain. It's going to keep me shooting my bow. It's going to be you know, play with my kids at the park. It's going to, you know, those meaningful things are important versus, you know, getting a, you know, sometimes a medical diagnosis of saying, you know, you've got this going on 
and people say, well, shoot, I can't change that. But, you know, a, a functional impairment, you can say, you know, we can get you back to playing with, you know, your kids. We can get you back to hunting with your kids and making those memories. Mm-hmm. And, and well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad you said that, right? Because we get so focused on the hunting and the preparedness of that. But ultimately, this is leading itself or, excuse me, lending itself to a better, more productive, active lifestyle just overall, right, with family and things like that. So that's, yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's more important than any of the preparedness for the hunt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, I guess I have a little motto, train, hunt, and live. And and that's really what it is. It's about, you know, training, keeping yourself healthy, you know, enjoying out the outdoors, hunting and stuff like that, and then just, and just living a healthy life. And I, on my website, I have, you know, my, my goal, and this is really what I believe is like, I believe the mountains and the outdoors are so incredible and can really bring so much, you know, can ground people and can, you know, just give so much motivation to people. And it's just, you know, the, the mountains are awesome. And being able to, I guess, you know, being able to live those passions and hobbies for a lifetime is what, I want to do and, you know, make sure that people can spend time in the outdoors for their whole life. You know, that's, that's what it's about is being with family and, you know, making memories and, you know, chasing some, chasing some animals every now and then. And most of the time I'm unsuccessful, but it's about, you know, helping other people and be live their, live their passions for, live their passions for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that stuff, when well, you get, you know, you get that, tight gluten hamstring or that sciatic pain or you know as you get up there in years man you start feeling all kind of crap <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um so my number two question um the so i want to talk about the the rotator cuff a little bit and give an explanation as far as where it is and um maybe more layman um so folks understand when we're talking about the rot- rotator cuff where it is and how that goes into that draw cycle um, and then how we can improve those muscles and that movement. Um, cause a lot of stuff, man, I've, I've had to hold some, you know, some pretty good draws here and there. Um, and I pull my bow a lot, man. I think today I was, you know, I probably shot 200 ends, something like that. And I was just fatigued, man. Um, so what can we do to build that up and understand, you know, how that should be how that should be looking when we're drawn through and how that should feel muscle wise. What should we be feeling there? Where should, where should we be engaged? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's a great question. Um, yeah. So the rotator cuff itself is four small, four, four relatively small muscles. Um, and they sit on, so you're, they sit on your scapula. So, I look at this when I'm, you know, cleaning out a deer and stuff like that. Those are some of the muscles you have to maybe make some jerky out of, or they're not huge muscles if you look at them and they're even smaller on us. So they sit on the back of your shoulder and there's four of them, the supraspinatus, infraspinatus, Harry's minor, and the subscapularis. So those four muscles really come to a common tendon on the outside of your shoulder. So on basically that point of your shoulder. So that's basically the rotator cuff and combines into what's 
called the the capsule there. So people have heard of adhesive capsulitis or frozen shoulder. That's one of the areas that can be, you know, can get hurt there. But anyways, that rotator cuff, its main purpose is to provide stability to that to your humerus and bring your your humerus or your upper arm bone into your body, into your shoulder blade. And so it it does that by actually pulling your arm um, downward and so kind of inward and downward. And by doing that, it allows you to be able to use the larger muscles, you know, your upper trap, your deltoid, even biceps to raise your arm overhead and without getting any friction on top of that muscle, on top of that rotator cuff. And so that's really the purpose of, of the rotator cuff itself. And so if, again, if you look at these muscles, if you are, if you look at these muscles, they're not huge muscles, but it's important. And what, again, what, what they do is that by providing that stability, you need to train them not with, you know, lifting 70 pounds, but by lifting lower weight, but just higher repetitions, higher volume there. So how do they lend so, themselves to to the bow? Or am I off base there, right? Because when I when I think about drawing my bow and you always hear, you know, um, you know, pushing your pushing your elbow back or squeezing, pinching your shoulder blades. Yeah, absolutely. And so the way that they're so if you we kind of break it into two different parts. You have your bow arm and then you have your draw arm. So on the draw arm, so on the let's start with the bow arm again. The bow arm you have your rotator cuff that's just providing the stability to your bow itself and so that you're not, you know, wobbling all, all over the place. And so as much as if you're a right-handed, you know, if you're a right-handed shooter, like you think about only strengthening the right side, strengthen the left side just as much. And I do, I do just as much on the left side so that I can hold a stable bow and hold it there for a while. Sometimes you're, you know, you're drawing back, you know, if you draw back 70 pounds and, you know, you have a certain amount of let off of a compound bow, which is nice, but still that rotator cuff is on your bow arm is, is providing that stability. Now on the draw arm, when you draw back, you're already in kind of a, I guess I'd say a mechanically disadvantaged for that rotator cuff because now you're in a, in a vulnerable position or some irritation. And so by strengthening those, that rotator cuff muscle, it provides that stability, like I've mentioned, to that joint so that you decrease the friction across those muscles. You decrease the irritation. When I say friction, that friction can come from some of the bony structure, some of that, you know, that impingement. And so when you're drawing back with your, you know, you're drawing back with your draw arm, then that rotator cuff is providing the stability or really it's your scapular muscles, your rhomboid, you know, some of that posterior deltoid muscle that is getting you back to full draw. And so the underlying, I was looking at a study actually that they did on archers and about 70% of people had in this one study had pain drawing their bow and 
the majority of injuries were due to the rotator cuff. Um, but it's just not having that balance. And so it's not like your rotator cuff is lifting. You know, if you have a, I don't know, if you drive, if you have a 65 pound bow, your rotator cuff's not pulling the 65 pounds back. Your rotator cuff is providing that stability where your deltoid and your rhomboids, your scapular muscles are actually getting you back into position. Your trap muscles, your lats. Yeah. So, you know, that brought, you said a couple of things, but the one thing that stood out is training, is training that bow arm, right? So one of the things that I'll do, and I, and I use it like a finisher as uh, on man, I'm going to say on, almost on a daily type basis is I'll just take like a TheraBand and I'll hold it out in my bow hand and I'll grab, you know, the bar of a squat rack and I'll just, you know, do some light, nice and slow draws just to engage those muscles and to feel everything. But I never, I never even considered it doing it to my bow arm, which now that you say it doesn't make any freaking sense to me because that is what is keeping that pin as steady as, as it can. I wonder, that's a weird thing, man. I've never thought about that. Never thought about it. I'm always focused on, you know, uh, getting that draw arm back. And yeah, I never, I never considered that. And, and not just, you know, not just, I don't even know what I'm looking for here. I'm, I'm brain farting here. Cause I'm, I'm shocked that I never thought of it. It just, it turned the light on and I'm going, man, you know, I watched that pin float and I'm not bad, but there's times and it makes sense. Even when I fatigue, I'm always thinking about my draw arm for some reason and not my bow arm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, like I, um, have some different exercises and some training tools that I use that are, are fun to play around with. Um, but I think one of the most, you know, I have one of those acubos that you can, you can play around with, which is kind of fun, but a simple, a simple technique is, yeah, just holding like as much as, is yeah exactly just holding a weight and then it's music to my ears to hear you saying you have theraband that's that's my favorite thing <laughs> is, is hearing people have some theraband it's like Those things are magic when you go man. to physical therapy when you go to physical therapy i know i think they should be in every every backpack yeah hunting backpack is oh, yeah. a little bit of theraband yeah. but when you go to a dentist and you get a toothbrush going to physical therapy you get one of those therabands you got to keep it you don't know what you're going to use it for but um, no, I think it's, it's awesome. And I'll do kind of funny being, I'm a right hand, I'm right handed and right hand, right handed shooter. And when I shoot my, when I'm practicing and when I'm training downstairs and just kind of, you know, hitting the gym a little bit, like I'll draw with my right arm, but even awkward enough, I'll draw with my left arm just so that I'm working on the strength on that left side. And but do the same thing with that stability training, you know, holding weights and everything. Yeah. Never. I don't know. I feel like an idiot because I never considered. And as soon as you said it, I go, man, that I've been, I've been looking at that wrong for some reason. And I'm not sure. Yeah. What led me down that path. So the Acubo thing, man, I look at the Acubo and no offense to Acubo. And I've always gone, eh, you know, I'd rather go and pull my bow. I'd rather go and shoot my bow if it's in the garage or in the backyard or if I'm at the range. Um, so you see benefit in actually getting out after that AccuBow. 
I find it as a, you know, I think it's a tool to use. Um, I have, I think it's a, I think it's a tool to use to work on strength and stuff like that. I've played around with it and I think it's fun to play around with. And, um, yeah, man, Christian, I think is the Christian. Anyways, we better cut that out. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so yeah, I find that the Acubo can be helpful, but I I find that it's a that it's a tool to use. I think that I, in my opinion, and if and if and if you really think of of training in general, like the best thing you can do is is shoot your bow. You know, the best thing that you can do is get out in the mountains and and go hiking and training and and being in those real life scenarios. So fact that you can shoot you know 200 arrows a night that's that's awesome and i think every bit like that's that's the way that you should be training is by using your bow um or using some theraband or you know if you have the acubo great use it or you know when i was talking to the owner of the acubo he was like he said the same thing you know it's, it's a tool to use and and i would agree that it's a tool to use if you have it great um and there's other, you know, there's other tools to use for other people. I mean, just the fact that you can, you know, draw left-handed with that thing, um, it kind of opened my eyes. I might have to, <laughs> I might have to get that Acubo, right, to help with that stability back yeah. there on that that rotator cuff. I mean, that's a big deal, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of tripping out that I never thought of that. That's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's some. I mean, there's some fun perturbation training and stuff like that, and hope to um continue to you know post some things and if people have questions they can let me know and i'll email them some some techniques and training techniques i can get you some guy i'm all in man so let's see what what haven't we really kicked on man um injury prevention right i mean we we touched on it real briefly um ankles knees um that's that's a big one for guys getting out in the on the mountain. Um, where do we start with that type of stuff? How do we how do we strengthen that and and prepare for better prepare ourselves uh, as far as injury prevention goes? Yeah, I think it, so. Injury prevention is is important, and a lot of times, actually, people will think of physical therapy as just. You know, I had surgery. Now I'm doing physical therapy, but so much more. It's you know, physical therapy is all about injury prevention and you know, keeping people active and doing the things. Anyway, um, injury prevention, like some of the most common areas that I'll see people have complaints are the front of their knee. They'll get you know, this anterior knee pain, or they'll have maybe a hip flexor strain you know, lateral hip pain or if we're talking back pain is a very common thing. And as I'm working up the chain, you know, just shoulder, you know, rotator cuff tendinopathies and then some, you know, neck pain. So anyway, some injury prevention on all those can vary. But if we're looking at the lower extremity, some techniques and I guess some 
some exercises that I would be doing is again just strengthening up those glute muscles. So, you know, you could do fire hydrant exercises, you can do deadlifts, you can do clamshells, you can stand on one leg and put the theraband around your ankles and lift your, you know, lift your ankles apart, hip abduction, you know, strengthening up those hip muscles. Because if we look at the amount of people that have knee pain, then I guess there's various reasons why, but those glute muscles can be very important. And then in addition, I guess I would say strengthening up your quads. So leg press, machine, again, squat. Yeah, that's uh... (laughs) a... There's some interesting, there's the, uh, and, and I know they're all important, right? And I'm kind of poking fun at it, but, uh, you know, you start, you go to the gym and then when I do light stuff, I'll just use machines. I'm not going to go, you know, free weights. I'll just go on the machines and I'll try and go, I know the importance of, you know, trying to hit that entire muscle group and not just those big prime movers, you know, the quads, the glutes, the hammies. Um, but you got your adductor and abductor machines. I call them the naughty girls. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And, and it's it's a little bit rough to get on that, um, you know, as a man, but it's important. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't want to go any further. Yeah. Um, but it's important to hit all those muscles. Right. Because those the adductors and abductors, man, they're they're pretty small muscles in comparison to the rest of the leg muscle. <clears throat> they don't have a yeah, lot of are, um... mass themselves. I mean, I guess I would, your adductors, so in your adductors, they're, they're actually a very interesting muscle that they do, like when you're walking, they actually help bring your limb forward. So we don't do a lot of, you know, we don't cross our legs a lot. We don't adduct our leg a lot, um, but they help rotate your, they help rotate your femur. And they also help propel it forward. And so they, you know, so that's a, that's an interesting muscle that we, that I will, I'll target if it needs to be, because most people, like if you take the, if you take the upper trap, for example, most people are so strong through their upper trap that I think about, you know, why are you, you know, why are you, just strengthening your upper trap besides that it's a beach muscle and looks good on the beach when it's hypertrophied and everything. But, you know, that muscle is so strong that very rarely do you have to, you know, strengthen that. Now, strengthening your trap for purposes of drawing a bow is important and I still do it. But the same thing with those adductors, you think about, you know, I'll, I'll target them if they need to be targeted. And, um, but, the abductors though, they have, you know, they do have some pretty good math to them and they provide, they provide, you know, significant stability to your pelvis. And if your pelvis is stable, then your knee and your ankle is going to be stable and your upper body as well, your trunk and your, you know, your core is going to be stable. If you actually take a look at someone who's maybe, you know, a novice or something who's shooting their bow and arrow. And if they're not in that perfect T pattern, they're kind of, you know, their, their trunk will actually be kind of swayed, I guess, curved. And sometimes they'll be sticking out a hip more and they're just not strong through those hip muscles. 
But those are, yeah, I mean, I, I would say target your hip abductors, abductors, mm-hmm. even there. more so than the adductors. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah, that, uh, get going on. I mean, this is a, this topic could literally go on for days, right? I mean, you start talking about the different planes of movement and preparedness for each plane of movement. And it just, it can get nuts, man. It can get nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And you start talking about different, you know, muscle contractions and different ways of training. Like you've mentioned. Yeah. It could, yeah. I obviously made a profession out of it. So yeah. It could go on yeah. for a long, a long time. So finding the balance is, is one of the keys you said, right? Um, incorporating different types of training, that cardio, the hypertrophy, the stability, um, injury prevention. And then lastly, what I want to get into is, is mobility, flexibility, and the importance of both and understanding what each is yeah. briefly. Yeah. Great. Great question. So mobility, we, we think about is, you know, of the, I guess, specific joint itself and, you know, having functional mobility. So reaching overhead and having functional mobility at that, at the specific glenohumeral joint, at that shoulder joint, um, versus, you know, flexibility will say if you're reaching overhead and your lats are really tight because you're, you know, doing a lot of lat pull downs and stuff like that then you're going to maybe be less flexible through those muscles. So flexibility tends to deal more with the, the muscle where mobility has to do more with the joints themselves. And both important. If you actually, I, well, I'm looking at an article right now that I was reading through on rehab, uh, rehab, rehabilitation of the non-operative rotator cuff. And, It says, I mean, it, it talks about the very first thing is to gain that mobility of the joint. And so a lot of times people will have rotator cuff pain, um, not necessarily that there's a tear or anything like that, or, but just their mobility is decreased. They can't lift overhead as much. And so restoring that mobility so that they have um, the ability to contract those muscles through that entire range of motion is you know one of the was one way to start and then as far as the flexibility flexibility is really if we look at like the um if we look at the american college of sports medicine the acsm guidelines and um what they recommend and in general what is recommended for stretching it's stretching you know stretching some large muscle groups a few times a week you know a couple times a week is plenty of flexibility maybe as we age it gets a little bit more when we're younger maybe we don't need to flex you know be as flexible or focus as much on flexibility but working on just general flexibility of those muscles is is important and and we can do that as, as physical therapists we think of flexibility i guess in multiple ways because sometimes you know after surgery you can have a or even after an injury, you can lose some of that flexibility or you can lose some of that mobility. And there's multiple ways to, there's multiple ways to stretch a muscle and it all depends on really what 
is going on and what needs to be what needs to be stretched. So one of the things, and and I don't know, it may sound weird, but one of the things that I try to do is, you know, I'll throw the pack on and I'll move around camp or, you know, if I'm just at the trailhead, um, I'll pace back and forth just to warm the muscles up. How important is it to warm the muscles up before we start, you know, in, um, stretching or, or trying to gain that flexibility? That My understanding has always been, you know, never try and stretch a cold muscle. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's more support and research to say that a dynamic warm-up so, you know, putting the pack on, walking around, um, you see soccer players doing this where they're, you know, kicking their leg up and back behind them and they're working on a, you know, a dynamic warm up. So moving, a moving warm up, a moving flexibility versus static stretching. And I'd say more than more of the support tends to favor the dynamic warm up versus versus just static stretching. Um, particularly for particularly for performance. But yeah, there's also been, you know yeah, there was a recent um Instagram post that I was looking at that was kind of comparing those two as well. And still some debate to be had there, but typically it makes sense to do more of a dynamic warm up versus you know some static holds now there are there are some things like for some back pain that are common when you're hunting that i would recommend a static hold and i would recommend a static stretch over over dynamic so for me like i'll like i said i'll i'll throw the pack on i'll move around right and i'm not going to do a skips b skips you know i might do some some walking lunges or something like that with the pack on um, and then go into like, you know, some static stuff if I'm, if I'm feeling tight, you know, in the lower back or the glutes or something. Um, but typically I'll do just a dynamic, um, but it almost, again, my opinion, and this is how I've always thought about it. It lends itself to injury prevention, right? There's a reason that athletes do it. Um, there's a reason that when you hit the gym, you're warming up, you know, you got your warm up set before you throw on that, that heavy weight. And I've always thought about that going into the field, right? I mean, it, it, it all goes back to performance while we're out there. Um, but for me, it's, you know, it's that injury prevention aspect of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I would agree that I, again, a dynamic warm up is what I would, what I would recommend. But I mean, there are some conditions that I would say, you know, let's, and for some hunters, you know, let's give you a few static stretches to be able to, you know, reduce your pain or to help you um, at camp and stuff like that. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, you could use both, honestly, and, and both should be used. Yeah, because it's rough, man. I mean, you you know, you wake up, you're, you're in your bivy shelter or something, you know, your tarp and you're on the ground all night, man. And, you know, as you get up there, uh, you just feel it more and more, you know, you feel that little twig the next day that was under you, you know, half the night or whatever, when you rolled over, 
and somehow that twig has transferred its presence into your lower back. It's, <laughs> it's oh, yeah. something else, man. Oh yeah. So, I remember when I was when I was young. Sorry, this is a little tangent. When I was young, when I was younger, like fourteen. I went on a camp just right above my house, up in the mountains, and it was a winter camp. And I thought it was going to be the best. And my friend and I took our our sleeping bag and our pat our sleeping bags, and we we're like, we don't need pads. We will be sleeping on snow. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we, you you sleep on the snow, and it warms up, and then it freezes at night, and then you're just sleeping in this ice, you know, rock solid coffin. And you're like, Oh, this is the worst idea. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. But, that's a, yeah. That's a pain in the butt, man. Or you find a big old thick bed of pine needles and mm-hmm. deal with them suckers crunching under you all night. Yeah. So, um, let's lighten it up, man. What do you have coming up for the 2019 season? Where are you, where are you doing your hunting? What are you chasing? Well, yeah, I'm excited about it. So my 2018 season was great. I ended up drawing a limited entry um, deer tag here in Utah and shot a shot a pretty nice buck with my bow at about 20. No, actually, it was probably about 10 yards away. Oh, wow. That was pretty cool. Um, and then 2018 also. So that was my big you know, I've been putting in for that for 10 years. And so this year for 2019, I'll do a lot of, right now I've been doing some turkey hunting and then I'll do just over the counter deer and, um, I guess general season deer, I shouldn't say over the counter, but general season deer tag, archery. I will do, we have here on the Wasatch front, you can, I'll do a, a spike elk hunt with my bow as well. And then, um, the way that they break it up is, uh, yeah, some different units. You can do spike elk hunting and stuff like that. So I'll do that. And then that'll turn into the late season elk hunting across the Wasatch front into any bowl. So that's pretty fun. And then I do a lot of what's fun about that I found about archery hunting is it doesn't interfere with my anniversary, which is nice. <laughs> the, the rifle hunt interferes with my anniversary. So, um, my wife appreciates the archery hunting a little more and I honestly like it a lot more too. But then once the archery hunts over, I do a lot of, um, waterfowl hunting and, upland game hunting i have a hunting dog that i'll take out and so yeah it's fun just get out there as much as i can and try to get it done yeah enjoy the heck out of it is your uh is your daughter how old is she she's five she's five yeah are you taking her out yet or she going the bird yeah hunts? we're gonna wake up yeah she's been on the bird hunt so we've actually when she was when she was three we took her on the mules and we packed in, um, we packed in about maybe, I don't know, three to five miles and stayed in the wall tent and did, you know, hunting there. It was fun. We did that last year too. And then she's been on a bunch of those times. She's been duck hunting with me. She, I try to get her out as much as I can tomorrow. We'll see how early we wake up. We may not, but we're going to, 
try to go turkey hunting tomorrow, all three of us. Nice. Oh, that's awesome, man. The whole family getting out there like that is, uh, yeah, it's a big deal, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big deal to me. I mean, I that's what I remember most, like I said, about maybe my youth and family vacations was just being out there. And I think it's so much to learn out in the mountains that just such a good way to get away from, you know, the stresses of life. And even though sometimes it's stressful and more work, it's nice just to take a break. Yeah. Well, that, and, and those, those, that stresses, those stresses and those challenges out there, man, are a lot. Uh, I think we appreciate them more than the day-to-day ones. At least I do. Yeah, absolutely. And just, yeah, passing that, passing the traditions on to my, my daughter and my wife's super supportive, which is great. And, you know, it's just, it's just fun to be, be out there together. So conservation, man, I do a deal on every episode. I call it the conservation quick, man. It's just a one to two minute spiel. Get your take on conservation, you know, open up somebody's thought process or, you know, eyes if they're not thinking about it the same way. So what's your take on conservation, man, and how should we be participating in that? as outdoors men and women. Yeah, it's a good question. I, we should be, yeah, I think it's important. Um, I know where I do some duck hunting is, um, under a cack and they're thinking about not letting us hunt there. And so as hunters and, you know, buying duck stamps, things like that, giving back to conservation is so important. And I think, when you, when you sent me that link of, you know, think about conservation, it got me thinking like, I honestly need to be more aware of it and I need to be more engaged in it and more engaged in projects. And I think, you know, we all, we're all trying to find that balance in life of what we, what we can do. And for me, that's one of my goals is, um, you know, being able to, participate more in some conservation projects. And so I appreciate that actually bullet point of you saying, Hey, think about that a little bit more. I think it's awesome because as hunters to have really what we live for and do preserve for the next generation. Absolutely. And especially with a huge deal, especially with the way that the world's going now and, you know, we just need to, we need to conserve, you know, we need to conserve animals and the environment and we need to protect them. And I think, I think of as, I think of us as hunters and true conservationists, you know, it's funny. I think whenever I, I was thinking about it today, actually, when I was coming down the road on my bike from turkey hunting and I was seeing all these hikers up there and they're probably thinking, of like, what the heck is this guy doing? Um, but just saying, you know, just being kind to them and polite because there's, there's so many people that want to take some of these things away from us and, you know, showing that as hunters we're respectful and we're, you know, trying to conserve, you know, we're trying to, I guess, preserve and be a part of conservation so that everyone can enjoy it. I think is important. Yeah. And then, you know, so you brought up a point, right. Is, and that's, and that's exactly why, I mean, it, it, it's not exactly why conservation is important to me for the same reasons that it's important to most sportsmen and women. Uh, 
But the reason that I bring it up constantly is to spark a thought process. And you said, you know, I should be doing more. Well, balancing, balancing life with trying to do a side project um, in conservation, right? For folks that could do it, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, we, we buy gear, right? We spend, you know, thousands, millions of dollars as a community on, you know, guns, ammunition, bows, arrows, tech camo, whatever, whatever it is. And one of the things that I've been looking at lately for myself is companies that are contributing back to conservation efforts, right? Like I, I interviewed a gentleman out of Colorado, Eric Myrie, he owns Basin and Bend. Um, you buy, you know, gear from him for fly fishing or for hunting, you know, he sells Sitka, Crispy, and he gives 11% of his bottom line off of that merchandise to conservation organizations. Um, I interviewed Andrew Schroeder of Sasquatch Fuel, um, and he has organizations that a percentage of his proceed, or excuse me, a percentage of his bottom line goes into um, a youth organization and environmental organizations. I mean, there's, there's all these companies that if we look deep enough we we can contribute like that with our gear purchases and it takes that that effort even further right so that that's the point of it man is to spawn the thought process and getting everybody looking at it i i, I appreciate you the the fact that you said hey i'm glad you know you made me think about that that's awesome man that's the that's the point of it there yeah you know and i think when i just think about all the stuff that i do and buy and uh, looking at it i I probably do more than what I'm thinking. Like um, I work a lot with mountain ops and I see patients out of the gym at mountain ops mm -hmm. up in their um, fruit height um, location. And, you know, they're about conservation and I, you know, they give money back and I like, I like their values. And I know that, um, uh, gosh, first light camo does and, you know, you know, Sitka and things like that. And so I do agree that, you know, investing in those companies and investing in, you know, that quality gear where they are giving back is a way, even, even if you go to, <clears throat> if I go to Cabela's and I, you know, buy something there, say, Hey, do you want to, you know, do you want your 75 cents to, and change to go to, you know, conservation? Well, sure. You know, absolutely. Because it's just those little things that, you know, it yeah, it is up. exactly. It's a big it, deal. Yeah. It adds up. Right. I mean, for, you know, the 14 million hunters across the nation. Um, that's a lot, man. That's a lot of 75 cent contributions. So yeah, if we could do that stuff, right. that's awesome, man. So how do, uh, how do folks get a hold of you? Um, if they want to jump on the mountain physio programs and if they have any questions or, or anything for you. Yeah. Um, so mountain physio, mtnphyophysio.com. So mountainphysio.com is my website. And um, Instagram is mountain, same thing, mtn underscore physio. And I have a Facebook page. So I would recommend yeah, people who are interested in this and interested in training programs, interested in you know questions, rehab, again, fitness, things like that to reach out to me on my website and I have um, it all set up where people can um, 
subscribe to a little email that I can send out. And also if they don't want to do that, then they can, you know, they can schedule appointments right there on my website or on Instagram as well. I am based out of Salt Lake, like I said, but see patients, you know, I've, I've had some interest from patients in Arizona and, you know, people that are not even here in Salt Lake themselves. And so I do some online telehealth services and, you know, a lot of this can be done via that telehealth. And so doing a, you know, a Skype video or, you know, FaceTime, whatever it is, oh, wow. conference like, like this. So if people are interested, you know, wherever they're at and, you know, the, the United States or whatever, they can reach out to me and can, um, I can provide a, you know, training program. We can look at their, um, look at their, I guess, look at any complaints they're having, look at their form when they're shooting their bow. And so anyways, I have a lot of different services specifically for the archer and bow hunter looking at, you know, video analysis and some soft tissue techniques and things like that to help them shoot better. And then physical therapy offering wellness services and training programs and rehab, like I said, and um, then hunting specific training and offer group classes. I'm going to be starting up actually just met with um, the Easton archery range here in Salt Lake city and a couple other um, companies like I mentioned mountain ops will be doing some training programs specifically at those locations. And so I'm trying to get out there and, you know, so there's going to be a lot of ways for people to, I guess, come to different services and come to different training camps. And, but the way to contact me would be through mountain physio, mountainphysio.com. Like I said, Instagram or Facebook, schedule an appointment or give me a phone call, email me. Uh, my email is Dr. Dr. Preston Ward at mountainphysio.com. So that's what I would, yeah, love to, love to help you out. I, I have, like I said, I feel like I have a service that I can help people and something that has, I have yet to see and just a, a, I guess a service that uh, is missing. And so um, something to continue to provide us archers to and bow hunters and hunters, everyone to enjoy the sport for their whole life. Awesome, man. So I'll uh, include all of that in the show notes and, Everybody will be able to go there and just click on the links um, and take you take you right to Mountain Physio there. So anything in closing, man, anything you want to get out there that we haven't covered? Um, trying to think. No, I no, I appreciate the time, Guy, for letting me be on this. And it's fun, fun talking to you. It's, yeah, I love to. Like I said, like I've said, and like maybe we were talking before we started all this, it's fun to work with like-minded people and it's fun to, you know, have a passion and be able to share it with others and help people with those same passions and, you know, find like-minded people. And Absolutely. so anyways, I, I appreciate it a lot. Yes, sir. No, I appreciate your time. It's good info. Um, like I said, I'll include all this in the show notes, man, and we'll, uh, 
Oh, yeah, and you're uh you're part of the elk prep giveaway too. So we'll get uh somebody'll get a free consultation, I think is what we had uh came to there. So yeah, that'll be big too. We got some uh we got Phelps game calls, Kudu Point Broadheads, Game Changer game calls, Kong Valley's even in it, so let them fly gear. There's a bunch of people, man. Elk Calling Academy. So it's gonna be a good one for prep, man. And I think your service is gonna add some some huge value to uh getting some guys ready for uh for season coming here so yeah i appreciate you yeah absolutely it's, getting in on that too absolutely it's come absolutely it's coming up season like i said less than 100 days away so yeah <laughs> yeah i know man i know my wife like i said i thought the season was only in the fall but now i'm she's quickly realizing that the season is 365 yeah. days so. that's it man <laughs> but but no, yeah, let me help you. I'd love to help people train and prepare and, um, yeah, avoid injuries and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Awesome, man. Perfect. Well, I appreciate the time again, and thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, talk to you later, guy. Thanks. You can catch up with Dr. Preston on Instagram at Mountain Physio, M-T-N underscore physio. And to learn more about what Mountain Physio has to offer, head over to mountainphysio.com. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.